Hey friends, welcome to the Sev Talks Money Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sev. Here on the Sev Talks Money Podcast, I share practical tips, realistic strategies, and workable solutions that lead to financial freedom. Occasionally, I'll have guests stopping by who share their financial freedom breakthrough stories. Don't forget to subscribe because you do not want to miss any of the helpful tips and inspiring stories. Hey friends, today I am talking student loans and more specifically, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. My guest is attorney Kyle Landis Marinello, who is a practicing attorney specializing in environmental and energy law. Kyle was forgiven over $230,000 in student loans through this program. He also improved his family's finances by over $300,000 in one year, including this $230,000. So he has a lot of gems that he's going to be sharing with us. His information, including the link to the book that he wrote that details what steps he took to improve his family's finances is going to be in the description of this episode. Let's jump right in. Kyle, welcome to the Dr. Sev Talks Money Sunday afternoon show. Hi, Dr. Sev. Great to be here with you tonight and happy to talk about this topic. Yes, um, it's, this just kind of fell into place because when we met, I was talking, we were just talking and um, we, we, I just happened to find out that you had written this great book, which we're going to talk about later, and that you had had so much uh, money that was forgiven in the public service student loan, public service um, program, forgiveness program. And so I had to have you on, which is just really, it just fell into place because I had someone on the week before that we were talking about student loans. So this was right on time. So I am so happy that you accepted the invitation. All right, so before we started talk, start to talk about, uh, dive into the subject, I just wanna share a disclaimer and uh, Kyle is going to add to it. Um, I want you to uh, pay attention to the fact that content on this channel is general information and it's for educational and entertainment purposes only. Any information contained in this video should not be considered or relied upon as financial or legal advice, and we disclaim any liability in connection with the use of this information. Everyone's financial and legal situation is different, and you should consult a financial professional for advice specific to your situation. And I don't know if Kyle wants to add anything to that disclaimer. Sure. I guess as a lawyer, I always have additions to disclaimers. Um, I think that covers it. This uh, is not providing any tax or legal or financial advice, mm -hmm. just talking about my journey. And also, I'm speaking purely on my uh, behalf of myself, not on behalf of my employer or any former employers. All right. Thank you. So let's dive right in because this is what the people is, um, are here for. The goal of this channel is financial freedom. And our, everything we share on this channel is, is with the view towards that goal. So with that said, what was your approach to the public service loan forgiveness program and how did you position yourself for success? 
Sure. So when I went to law school, I went into it knowing that I wanted to do public interest work. And the program uh, actually wasn't around at the time I started law school. So as I was going into law school, what I did is I looked at what law schools had their own forgiveness programs. And mm -hmm. I ended up at the University of Michigan Law School, which has an excellent uh, loan repayment program. And it, what that does is actually help you make your loan payments along your journey. Mm -hmm. And then as I was in law school, uh, Congress passed this bill that provided the public service loan forgiveness program and the financial aid office was on top of it and started doing programs for students and i attended all of those and learned everything i could about the program because i realized that it would be hugely helpful for me if i could actually get those loans forgiven after 10 years of public service and i was planning to do at least 10 years of public service anyways and so that was my approach was just learning as much as I possibly could as soon as the program came out. And in the period right after I graduated, um, I would say I was talking with my financial aid office uh, at least once a week and making sure that I was getting the loans in the right, uh, right repayment programs and uh, that everything was dotting all the I's and crossing mm -hmm. all the T's. Yes, because that's, I think, I hear a lot of people complaining that they didn't get forgiven. And I think that's one of the problems is that they're not dotting all the I's and, and crossing all the T's because there are certain things that need to be done in order to be forgiven. So share with us how much, I know we talked before about like 300,000 overall, but for the for the public service portion of it, how much was forgiven and what were the emotions that you went through um, after finding out that you were forgiven? I, I can just imagine. <laughs> yes, and it, and it was an emotional ride uh, from the beginning because you read all these stories about people having trouble with the program and I, it was often not through any fault of their own. This was just a program that really didn't have um, a lot of education outreach when it went out. And I was lucky that the um, law school I was at was doing that work and that I was able to dig into it some myself. But um, it really is a, a program with lots of pitfalls. And so that made it a very emotional ride. And you always just never know if at the end of the day you're going to get that forgiveness. Yeah. Um, I did end up getting it. It was in March of this year. Um, the exact amount I actually put in my book and it's uh, $230,879.54. Awesome. 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 <laughs> so that was uh, uh, the bulk of what made the big financial change for our family in that that single year was that $230,000 going away. Yes. Uh, can you share with us um, some of the other things that made up the 300000 how you structured all of that? Because I'm sure there are people here who maybe the public service loan forgiveness program doesn't apply, but any tips that can help them towards financial freedom, I'm sure they'll, they'll appreciate. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it, and I'm realizing I forgot to mention the, uh, you asked about the emotional response when that mm -hmm. amount was forgiven and it was uh, 
it was about 5.30 in the morning. I was, uh, I have three young children and my wife and my children were all asleep at the time. And I logged into my computer and looked. And at first I didn't believe that the loans were actually gone. And then it finally hit me that it had been zeroed out. And oh, I wow. just fell to the floor and started crying. It was just this huge weight off my shoulders and and such a relief. Um, and uh, uh, so the other things that helped us financially um, during this uh, roughly one year period was um, refinancing both our home and uh, my private student loans. Um, sadly, even with getting $230,000 forgiven, I still have about $30,000 in private student loans. Um, and I was looking into those um, uh, to see if there was a better interest rate available. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, there was a much better interest rate. And I went from paying about $270 a month on a 20-year program to paying $300 a month, but on a 10-year loan. And so that's saving over $30,000 in interest over the, the life of that loan. Yes, and that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was very helpful. And uh, and similar numbers with refinancing our home, saving $30,000 plus in um, interest over the life of that loan. And uh, so just a couple of things taking advantage of the very low interest rates that we have now. And then... Other things we did are, um, I, I describe a lot of them in my book, but they're much smaller steps, but they mm -hmm. added up over time. Yes. Those little drops of water fill the cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> certainly do. All right. So um, so we, we've gone through the public service loan forgiveness. You, you were um, forgiven over $230,000. I mean, that's just so amazing. I'm just getting goosebumps just celebrating with you right now because I know there are so many people, again, who have not been forgiven before they go through the step. So what are some of the key things that they can do to ensure forgiveness through this program? Yes. Uh, so the, the main thing is reading, researching as much as you can about it um, and being careful where you get your information. Um, because unfortunately, there's a lot of bad information out there. Um, now, it, actually, uh, one source of misinformation is often the loan service provider itself. And uh, that's been an issue for many borrowers that they've gotten bad information from the loan servicer. Um, I certainly had uh, calls where they gave me information that it turned out was just not correct. Um, and so looking at materials directly from the Department of Education, mm -hmm. that's a great place to go. Actually, one of the best places to go is a Facebook group uh, on public service loan forgiveness. It's a group that has over 25,000 people in it. And uh, the moderators of that group are um, people in the program or people who have already uh, received forgiveness and they know all of the ins and outs of this and often can correct information very quickly mm -hmm. um, if you get bad information. So those are a couple of the steps. Um, the main thing is making sure your loans are, you have the right type of loans, the type, right type of income-driven program, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. making sure you have a job that qualifies. 
Uh, it's generally going to have to be a government job or a not-for-profit job. But some sometimes there are some gray areas about different types of not-for-profits. And for instance, if a, a not-for-profit does lobbying work, then there may be an issue over whether it qualifies. So making sure that um, you look into that and also making sure you get the paperwork in, particularly if you change jobs at any point along the journey. You want to make yeah. sure that you get that form on your last day of work at an employer um, and get that sent in. And so that's another important part. And and the last thing I'll add is at the very end, when you apply for forgiveness, you know, the program was passed by Congress as you do 10 years of public service and you get your loans forgiven. The way it's played out, you actually have to do more like 10 and a half years because you not only have to be in the right type of job for all 10 years of the payments, but you also have to still be in that qualifying job at the time your loans are forgiven. And unfortunately, the Department of Education um, often takes three, four, five, even six or more months to actually process the paperwork. Um, and I, I do have some tips on how to speed that process up, uh, but the most important thing is knowing you have to stay in your um, qualifying job until you get that letter saying your loans are forgiven. Yes, I'm going to let you share some of those tips, but um, some of the things that I uh, um, I have, and I actually have a video on the public service loan forgiveness. I'm going to um, link it up here um, mm -hmm. that I did actually last August. On, uh, I shared a lot of information that what you're, what you're talking about because a lot of people don't realize that the 120 payments doesn't have to be consecutive. Correct. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be consecutive. You could leave the government job, go work for public sector, make a lot more money, <laughs> and then, but you just make sure that you get that letter that you mentioned, get that letter to sign off on your, um, you know, the service that you've already done, the company, mm -hmm. the government's company, government entity that you've worked with before you move on to public sector. And then when you come back, you can work again, you make those payments. And as long as you have the 120 payment with the qualifying government entity, then that will, will count. And another thing is um, that I, I think I had shared um, that you want to do the annual certification mm -hmm. because that's going to help you catch any errors like you're thinking okay um, i'm five years into this i'm good but you may not be so you want to do the annual certification where you can catch and they can say hey you're you're not working with a, a an entity that qualifies you mm -hmm. or or you know if you do partial payments that doesn't count i mean those little things can trick trip us up mm -hmm. and um and also the one thing we need to be careful about is consolidating our loans because consolidating our loans can wipe out any history of payments that we've made. So if you mm -hmm. qualify for 119 payments and you consolidate your loan, you can lose all the 119, you have to start over. So yes. you have to be very, very careful. Those are the little nuances that can trip people up and why they may not qualify. And what was the name of that Facebook group again? Um, I'll put it in the chat here so that it's it lives permanently in the um, in the history of this this show. Sure. I believe it's just called public service loan forgiveness. Okay. So the Facebook group is Facebook group is public 
service. Yes, and it, it's also just a good resource for, um, uh, you know, getting moral support along the way as you go on this journey. And, um, I, and you know, I want to say a few words about the importance of this program and um, uh, how much good it does for, for the students who are able to use it and for um, the world more generally. Um, you know, I, yes, the, the $230,000 is a big number and probably some people watching this are going to think, uh, is that fair? Why is a lawyer getting all of this uh, governmental benefit? Is this really the person who needs that the most? Um, but just for context, you know, when I graduated law school, most of my classmates went to large law firms where with bonuses, um, many of them were making close to $200,000 a year right off the bat. And I was graduating near the top of my class from a, a good law school. And, and I say that not to um, brag about anything, but just uh, to explain that I could have gone into one of those jobs if mm -hmm. I just wanted to uh, chase the money, if you will. And um, I instead chose to go into state government and started off at $40,000 a year. And that's a salary that um, uh, with raising a family, we're now a family of five, um, it really can't sustain the loan payments that were um, due on what was $200,000 in loans right off the bat and just grew as my payments didn't even cover the, the interest. So this program really did allow me to do the type of work I wanted to do and um, and stick with it uh, for the long term. And, and it's done that for lots of people and there are lots of um, attorneys in uh, public defender roles and prosecutor roles, uh, attorneys in not-for-profit organizations and all over state, federal, local, tribal governments, and um, lots of people in teaching positions, uh, mm -hmm. many other organizations uh, where they really are relying on this program and this program allows them to do this important work that we want people doing. Yes, that, that is a great point because the work is needed. It, it, it is needed. And, um, you know, how do you sustain taking care of your family and doing all the things you need to do, but you this work is needed. So, mm -hmm. so there has to be some compensation. And I think the program, you know, University of, of Michigan, as you mentioned, seems to have done a great program educating the, the lawyers um, at that program. And I'm finding out also that the teachers um, public service loan forgiveness program related to teachers is much shorter. It's not mm -hmm. as 10 years, it's five years, which which should, which is correct, which should be that way because teachers are paid peanuts for the work they do and, and they are needed. Mm -hmm. So um, I salute anyone who goes into public service. I have a heart for that because uh, there are so many people who need the help and they can't it, it, it's, it's just needed. It's just needed. Yes. <laughs> like that. Because I, I don't, that's one of my other bucket that I, my other soapboxes that I don't want to get on. <laughs> the work is needed. Okay. So when yep. people talk about, well, well, why are you going in uh, being a lawyer and why are you taking on student loans and all of that? 
well, who does the work? We need somebody to do the work. Mm -hmm. And if the person is going to take on that work, which is so emotionally charged, charged anyway, uh, because of the nature of the work, then we need to find a way to compensate them. And if the student loan, um, the public service loan forgiveness program does that, then I say kudos, take advantage of it. It is there. Anybody can take care, take advantage of it. So we can't beat up somebody who does take advantage of it. At least yes. we should. Yeah. And, and the program, when it was started, actually had uh, bipartisan support. And um, the American Bar Association played a fundamental role in getting this program through Congress. And um, one of the ways they sold it was, uh, if you look at something like criminal law, whether you think that um, uh, everyone should get the best public defender they can, or if you want to make sure that prosecutors aren't dropping the ball and um, uh, what the work that they're doing to get the, the best people into those positions, you need a program like this so that um, their loans can be given uh, this, this forgiveness program um, when they're choosing to do this type of work rather than going to a, a large law firm and, and doing corporate work. Yes, I, I, I love it. I love it all. <laughs> so so with all of that success, is there anything that you did that you, you went, oh, I shouldn't have done that, that you think would benefit our listeners? Yes, I, I definitely made some mistakes along the way. Um, the biggest one is that um, right when I started my first job out of law school, I was worried I knew the Michigan program wasn't going to kick in right away uh, during the first two jobs I had. They had a rule against judicial clerkships and I was working for judges my first two years out of law school. And so I knew I was on my own those two years and I just immediately put my loans into um, forbearance, just waiting on making the first payment. And I didn't look into what those payments would be if I had made payments on my federal loans at the time. And looking back on it, I think I could have actually been making $0 quote payments uh, mm -hmm. that would have counted towards the program. And as a result, by the time I actually made my first qualifying payment, I, I was over two years into state government work. And so it, I, I've actually been in state government for um, uh, approaching 13 years now. And it was uh, just a few months ago that my loans were forgiven. So that was one major mistake. And then there are a couple smaller mistakes along the way. I missed a deadline for certifying my income to the federal government one year. And then I get a bill and my payment, which is based on income and based on family size. And so it was normally often $100, $200. Uh, all of a sudden I hadn't certified my income in time and they get a bill for $1,800. <laughs> and we didn't have that in the bank account. And so I called and I had to uh, put my loans into a deferment for another month or two while I certified my income and I lost a couple payments during that period. Yeah. So yes, the, the, those zero payments do help. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, right now I was, I was calculating um, since March of last year, when President Trump signed to have um, the payments paused, and then of course, President Biden extending that, all of those 
zero payments count towards the 120 payments of public service loan forgiveness or for anybody else in the other uh, uh, income driven plans, mm -hmm. those loan, those payment, those payments count towards yeah. the, you know, the, the, the period um, that we need to pay. So, so take that money folks and build up that, um, build up that uh, emergency fund, Pay down those high high uh, interest student uh, other student loans, private student loans. Pay down your other loans while you don't have to pay to for your on your student loans. You are getting the benefit of not paying on the student loans and those non payments counting towards the number of payments that will qualify you for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So take advantage of that and suck away the uh, money in your in your um, emergency fund. If you already have an emergency fund, pay down those high um, high interest um, debts. And if you already pay those down, look around for something to invest in. <laughs> Make some money off that money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was, that was a great program uh, that, um, I mean, it was really needed at the time. And a lot of people have benefited from it. And, and I actually wonder, you know, you have this, massive group of people who have not been having to make that monthly payment of whether it's 100 200 or for some people it's thousand two thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. um i wondered if that might be part of what's contributing to the stock market doing so well and um in recent times that i mean this is a really large group of people and they've got this albatross around their neck of these student loans and suddenly they haven't had to make that monthly payment. Um, it's been very helpful for people who uh, I had their jobs during this time. And then the people who lost their jobs or had other uh, income losses, lost family members. Um, I mean, all the tragedy that's come from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, this was one way that really helped a lot of people out to not have that payment due every month. Yes, it certainly certainly has for, for people that I've spoken with. Now, before we had mentioned, um, you said you had some other tips that you wanted to share, and then we kind of went off into another direction. But um, I don't know if you remember that part of the conversation and can recall any of those tips that you'd like to share with our viewers. Yes. Uh, so one tip is to keep all the paperwork you can on this. Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the servicers often make mistakes, they often give up bad information. The online um, uh, login you do where you can check how many payments you have, it tells you which ones counted and which ones didn't. And mm -hmm. I remember as I got closer to forgiveness, I was looking at that and I had a couple payments from 2013 that had been marked as not counting. And they said that it was when they transferred service providers. And I remember talking with someone and saying, well, I didn't transfer service providers. This was just the uh, uh, the government deciding to do that. Why is that on me? And they said, well, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. And, um, uh, and then I went back and looked at my bank statements because I had kept all of them since I started making these payments because I knew I might need proof at some point. And I found uh, uh, bank statements from those two months and it showed an automatic payment going out each month. And so I was able to file that um, with the loan servicer and get credit for those two months of payments. And 
get my loans forgiven a couple months earlier than they otherwise would have been. Um, so that's one thing, as much paperwork as you can keep, uh, it's driven by wife crazy holding on to a lot of this stuff. It went digital at one point, but I have some of the paper documents themselves. Um, and then the other thing is when you get to the end of the program and apply for forgiveness, I, I think that's where I mentioned I had some tips on how to speed up the process. Um, the Department of Education is a federal agency and that means they work for all of us. Uh, we're all taxpayers and they work for us. And um, that means that your uh, members of Congress can talk to them if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And in fact, every congressional office has um, what's called constituent services. And one of the things constituent services deals with is if any constituent, anyone from their district is having an issue with a federal agency, your congressional office will look into it. And so when I put in my forgiveness application and nothing was happening for one month, for five, six weeks, I'm just hearing nothing. I called um, uh, my members of Congress and got them to look into it for me. And when someone uh, looks into it with a federal agency, it seems to speed up the process a lot. And so I would encourage anyone right at the end of that process, I mean, give them a month maybe to uh, get your application approved. But if it hasn't been approved in a month, I would call uh, your representative and both your senators and have them start bothering the Department of Education to get on top of this because um, it's not fair to the people who've made it all the way through the program to just be left hanging, not knowing when they're gonna get that final letter. And as I mentioned, it's supposed to be a 10 year program and the Department of Education has effectively turned it into a 10 and a half year program by taking too long to forgive applications. So I, mm -hmm. I think they should hear about it from members of Congress every time. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point that they serve us. And and um, and because we need to when we apply and when it's forgiven, we need to be in the job. We need to be in the qualifying job. Yes. Because some people probably after the 120 payments, they think, OK, I made the payment. I've applied. Now I can go work for a public company. But you can't you shouldn't until after the everything is approved because then you're in trouble and maybe you can get that overturned. Um, so the, that's a great point to make sure that you contact your member of Congress to, to get that, um, get them to speed that up because you don't mm -hmm. need to be in that job making minimum wage. <laughs> I'm going to say minimum wage, <laughs> to, uh, you know, when you could really make more. And yes, I know the service is needed and all of that, but after giving 10 years of your life to, to doing that, you are, you, it's, it's okay to move on if, mm -hmm. if that's what you want to do. So yeah. the government should not tie you there. If they said it's a 10 year program, it needs to be a 10 year program. Yes, I agree. Yes. Um, and um, here's my guest from last week. She's saying just joining. I agree sometimes that you have to cut through the red tape and call your representatives. Yes, because as you're, to your point, they work for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be sharing your contact information and we're going to talk a little bit about your book. Mm -hmm. um, but is there anything else that you would like to to share? Any other tips that you want to share with us? 
I think I've covered most of it. As as I said, you just want to look into this, um, make sure you're doing it right every step of the way. And and the last thing I'll mention is um, when this program uh, got a lot of press a couple years ago about um, how few people were actually getting their loans forgiven. Um, Congress actually passed what's called the temporary expanded uh, public service loan forgiveness program, which mm -hmm. allows some people who didn't um, get in the right loans at the time they graduated, it allows them to get forgiveness all the same. And so that's something everyone should look into if you think there's any chance you would have qualified if you'd been in the right uh, program. It's worth mm -hmm. looking into that and and putting in an application and seeing if they uh, agree. Yes, yes, great tip. All right, so here is Kyle's Twitter. It is PF Author. That's his Twitter. And his website is www.personalfinanceauthor.com. That's personalfinanceauthor.com. And here is a link for his book. I also have a link in the chat. So it's a live link in the chat if you want to click on that and um, and go ahead and take a look at his book. I'm going to put up the a copy of the book right here and tell us a little bit about the book, if you will. Sure. Um, so this was just a, a passion project that... Um, I embarked on as I was kind of approaching my loan forgiveness and realizing, um, you know, our finances were starting to look good for really the first time. And, um, I, you know, I, I joke that I think I may be the only person who's ever written a book on personal finance while having a uh, net financial worth of negative six figures. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it really was at the time I was writing this book. When you take those loans into account, uh, uh, it really was that much, and it was around a hundred thousand in the in the red. And um, so, but at the same time, I knew this was coming, and I knew uh, we'd get the loans forgiven. And as I mentioned, interest rates were really low, and I decided I really needed to learn a lot more about all aspects of, of personal finance and investing. And I did a deep dive into it. And as a lawyer, I'm trained to do research and uh, to write about it and to try to write succinctly and clearly and um, in an entertaining way. Uh, you know, I found that no one learns anything if they've fallen asleep. Um, so I try to make this book as accessible, as entertaining as possible. And one of the ways I did that is um, I put a lot of stories in here about uh, my dad and some of the financial mistakes that he's made over the years. And, and I'm very clear right off the bat that I love my dad dearly. He's amazing. There was an amazing father, continues to be an amazing father. Um, uh, but I, I want to give some examples of financial mistakes he had made because uh, I think that people think that they make financial mistakes because uh, uh, they're not smart enough or they're not working mm -hmm. hard enough or things like that. Mm -hmm. And my dad is this example of someone who is one of the most brilliant per people I've ever known. He went to Harvard at the age of 16, very hardworking. Um, uh, and yet he's made uh, 
so many financial mistakes over the years and none of us are immune to this. We really, um, uh, there are a lot of bad actors out there that are always trying to get people's money, uh, get people signed up for high interest loans. And um, it's really important for people to learn everything they can about this topic. And so, as I mentioned, I do research and writing as a lawyer. And as I was learning more about personal finance and investing, my way of processing it was just writing down the best information I found. And so I did that and I weaved it together with these stories about my dad to, to make it as entertaining as possible. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, it is so important for us to learn the basics of personal finance. And um, as, as much as I know about personal finance, I still have a coach because I, I need, we're all biased based on our situations. And sometimes we can't see what we don't see. <laughs> so it helps to have somebody else to kind of look at our numbers and look at our picture to tell us you know, you're probably going a little bit to the left or a little bit too much to the right <laughs> in, in your personal finance journey. And it's not because we don't know that we don't have the knowledge, but sometimes mm -hmm. we get blinded by, by the knowledge that we have, thinking we know it so much that we can make decisions that ultimately may lead us astray. So yes, we, we all are subject to making mis financial mistakes. And, you know, as I call this channel, it's a no judgment zone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is a no judgment zone because we all make mistakes. I make mistakes as much as I know about money. So one of the questions here, someone is asking, were you ever tempted to jump ship and work for a big corporate law firm to make more money? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, there were some really hard times financially with um, uh, the path that my wife and I chose. And, um, I, you know, I remember one day I was, uh, it had been a few weeks of working 70 hour plus uh, work weeks. I really, I, and I, I was salaried. I didn't get any extra pay for that, but um, I really believed in the work I was doing. So I was going to do the, the amount of hours that was needed for it. And, you know, in state government, the raises aren't very large, but my boss um, at the time had led me to believe I'd get the largest amount of a raise that they could. And uh, and then when the day to discuss that came up, it turned out that due to budgetary constraints, they couldn't actually do that for me that year. Um, and then I went home that evening and um, uh, the was having a really tough time getting that news. And as I'm walking up to our front door, I see a delivery of food that the state had made um, that same day to our house because our income, I was the only source of income. And for a family of five, we qualified for um, that food assistance. And it just hit me really hard that, um, as I said, I turned down these jobs that I uh, would have made uh, many multiples what uh, what I was making, and um, it it uh, when you have moments like that, you do have to do some real soul searching and think: mm -hmm. Is this the right path? Should I move to Boston and get one of those big jobs at a big law firm? Um, but you know, my 
my wife and I have always been committed to this this path, and it's made it uh, a really rewarding career. And mm -hmm. you know what I say about the law is that by its nature, every lawyer on average is going to um, lose half their cases. And so for me, the most important thing was in those half the cases that where I won, I always want to feel good about it. And so that was kind of my my driving force with my career is making sure that I was doing work that um, I felt good about it and it continues to this day. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us this Sunday afternoon. This discussion has been very illuminating and um, informative. And I am sure that for those who are going to be watching the replay and those who have been here um, jumping in and out and listening, they have learned something. I have certainly learned um, some tricks to add to my bag of tricks when it comes to this personal finance journey. So thank you again for joining Thanks for listening to the Sev Talks Money podcast. Find us on sevtalksmoney.com, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. See you next time.